You are Locked On Vols, your daily Tennessee Volunteers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Vols, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here today. I'm really excited about today's show. Here in the first two segments of the show, I'm going to talk to Chris Landry, who is a host on Locked On SEC as well as Locked On Big Ten. His website is LandryFootball.com. Chris Landry has been a coach and scout at the college and NFL levels, and boy does he know personnel. So he's going to join the show and talk about Tennessee's football program, what Jeremy Pruitt has going right now, and how the Vols project in the future. I will tell you, he is very honest, and he will present the reality as he sees it with Tennessee's football program. But I think you're going to want to hear that over the next couple of segments right here on Locked on Vols. In the final segment, I've got a little Tennessee basketball for you as the Vols do make the 13th member of the program official. What does that mean moving forward as Tennessee is still active on the recruiting trail for the 2019-20 season? I'll get to that in the third segment of Locked On Vols, which today is presented in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. And I want to welcome to the show now Chris Landry, who is one of the hosts on Locked On SEC, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, also Locked On Big Ten. Chris, I really appreciate you taking some time to join the show. And I want to start off asking you about Tennessee's football program, what you see with Jeremy Pruitt as he is entering year two, a year where often we look at college football programs and say, okay, can they make a big jump? So as you look at what Tennessee has and what Jeremy Pruitt is trying to get done, what's your assessment of Tennessee's program right now? Well, the things that jump out at me at what Jeremy's doing, I think when he got there, I think he felt like, and this is always the case with a coach that goes in. Uh, he, you know, you hear the term culture a lot and, you know, that's maybe just kind of thrown out too much, but the re- it's kind of, all right, how we're going to meet, how we're going to practice, how we're going to do things, what are our expectations of the support staff and everything administration. And I think it usually takes a year to kind of put those things into place. And then you, it starts to pay dividends down the road, kind of like, you know, uh, tilling the soil and, and getting, getting everything prepared and it's going to take a while for that to take root what i have noticed is a little bit of just being around the program a little bit a little bit of an attitudinal change um i think there's there's always a a comfort level of how you do it you know philip has obviously been there and there are certain ways that he did it and things have changed what has changed dramatically that i don't think tennessee's kept up quite um you know with the times is you know, all the different analysts and all the different parts of the support staff that Jeremy was, you know, very in tune to uh, at at Alabama and, and at Georgia and, and even to a lesser degree at Florida State. So I think some of those things he feels like it, it is going to need to get done. And that's a lot of what Kirby's done at Georgia really well. Georgia was kind of the same way. They they just they didn't have under Mark Rick nearly the same type of support staff and how they do it. So that is the biggest part where the change is. Now, the problem with that is you don't see the results of that short term. Um, what you see with that is a little bit more of consistency in how you evaluate players, uh, which is the I think the untold part of recruiting, you know, I think people think that recruiting is you just look out a bunch of names with five stars and you go after them. That's really not it. It's 
It's finding the right guys and finding the right fits. And I think that has gotten a little bit better. I like what they've done. They don't have enough talent there um, to compete where they need to. And, Josh, I don't need to tell you that you got a program in their own division in Georgia that is, you know, nipping at the heels of Alabama and Clemson in terms of personnel. They're, they're not there yet, but they're close. And you got a Florida program that is certainly ahead of Tennessee. So both of those, you know, both of those guys have got in a race. They got a, they got a, you know, a, a couple of laps ahead. And Tennessee's just trying to build themselves up to where, even, you know, from a talent standpoint, um, the fact that they can compete. Um, I think that's the first step. And then they've got to got to do a better job of competing week in and week out. And that's going to provide a lot of depth. I look at Tennessee and breaking down the FEC rosters, and I, I think, boy, they're, they're falling short in a lot of areas, but they're going to have to make up ground with, with a lot of young guys. I mean, think about it. If, if you look at them, uh, they've got a ways to go at, you know, at, at a lot of different spots and running backs and receivers, the offensive line, um, the defensive line, um, the linebackers. I mean, pretty much every position, you look at them, and they're in the bottom half of the conference, but that gets – fixed in recruiting right and it doesn't happen overnight and as you know because you follow it so closely it, it takes two three years to kind of get that in place so it's in the early stages of a long process i think chris landry landryfootball.com host of locked on sec locked on big 10 as well and uh when you talk about the early stages of recruiting where jeremy pruitt is he, he has some guys that have been on campus this spring and that are now on campus this summer and I can run through a bunch of names but along the offensive line I mean the line of scrimmage is a place where Tennessee absolutely has to fix some things so the idea of Wanya Morris and Darnell Wright trying to help right away on the offensive line if I just bring those two names up Chris what do you think about their potential of helping Tennessee down the road long term but also maybe this 2019 season I I think they can help them a lot now again the fact that they're going to have two guys that are going to come in and I think have an early impact is a combination of, hey, they're really good and they're, they're open spots. You know, where Jeremy wants to get is where he was at Alabama, where you take guys like this and maybe they can play at some point, but they're probably getting ready for next year. I, I think both of these guys are what I call high blue graded players, which in the vernacular probably be, you know, five stars, what most people think five star guys. The, this, you know, right is great size, good play strength, and when he gets his hands on you, he's heavy-handed and can move guys off. He's got to improve his lower body flexibility, but I think he's a big, strong, physical you know, uh, tackle prospect, right tackle sp- uh, prospect. Morris is, um, is, I like his build. I like his natural athletic ability. I think he's got to improve his technique, his use of hands, but this guy is really good, and his, uh, his ceiling is really, really high. I think both of these guys are, are high-level SEC starting tackles in the league. Not right away high grade, but but these are guys that can play early, will have to play early, and I think in time be really, really good players. So as you mentioned, need spot, quality guys, and I, I think this is just the start of some good things to come. Chris Landry is my guest right here on Locked on Vols. More with him coming up as we talk about Tennessee's football program moving forward and the Vols trying to get back to the top of the SEC East. That's coming up right here on Locked on Vols, which today is presented by Twillery.com slash Locked on. Twillery believes this, that shirts should not wrinkle, itch, or sweat. Twillery offers non-iron, untuckable, and performance dress shirts for as low as $55 each. 
when you bundle four or more. They have great value, and with free shipping and returns, you can try on some Twills risk-free. After all, filling is believing. And with Twillery, smart casual just got smarter and cheaper. Twillery brings performance work shirts to the next level with four-way stretch material that shuts down wrinkles, stops sweat, and keep you looking and feeling cool. And it's a perfect time to shop with Twillery with their Father's Day special. You can enjoy a free set of bottle opener collar stays with the limited time offer. So go to twillery.com slash locked on. They have the promo code Locked on, that's one word that gets you $25 off. Use the promo code locked on when you go to twillery.com slash locked on. Hey, on the other side of the ball, Chris, what kind of player or players, because you can look at different position groups, does Jeremy Pruitt need on the defensive side? And, and sticking with the newcomer uh, theme, I, I would ask uh, with Quavaris Crouch and then Henry Toho Toho out of California, who's now on campus, thoughts on, on them trying to help add athleticism and and finding playing time right away as freshman. But what, what does Jeremy Pruitt need overall, do you think, for that defense to be successful? I, I think any defense and any scheme, and certainly this scheme, it's the quality and quantity of defensive linemen. That, that's where you build any defense. And in my years of coaching and scouting, um, Josh, that, that's that's the most important. The front helps the back more than the back helps the front. So um, that's really important. And in, in otherwise, you've got to have guys that can run. I think in today's game, I think that you're playing a, a position uh, a closer to the ball, basically. What I mean by that is you've got to have better athletes than you did 20 years ago because you've got to defend a lot of different spread sets and play in space a lot better than you did 20 years ago. So, you know, your outside backers have to run a lot like safeties, and your safeties have to have some cover ability like a corner. So uh, I think more athletic ability overall and guys that can really run. And that's something that is in abundance more in the SEC is, is, is you know, is I see more guys that can play down, um, that can rush the passer, that can cover, that are physical um, up front. So th- they need more of those guys. I think both of the guys that you mentioned, Crouch is a really good athlete that can run. Um, you know, I mean, just, just watching him on the offensive side, you could see the athletic ability in high school. The, the fact that he can do so many things, to me, you see him as a guy that with his, with his length, uh, his, his athleticism, uh, his to make plays in space, this guy's got a chance to grow into something special there. Toto is, is really a little bit more of um, a, a stronger built accelerator Really good tackler. Uh, I um, I think that in terms of his eye discipline and coverage, those are some things he's got to work through. He's a young player, but boy, this guy can run and hit, and uh, the the ability to run and cover and close. They need as many of those guys as possible. And I think both of these guys can really help them on the defensive side. You know, Chris, uh, talking to Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com, when you talk about the defensive line, I have said this offseason, my biggest question with Tennessee for this upcoming season is the defensive line because of the guys they have to replace and then the amount of uh, either newcomers or guys just are going to have to play bigger roles. And then I've also said for 2020 recruiting, I think the defensive line is the most important position to target. Am I fair there, close to it at least, with those assessments? I think you you nailed it. Uh, I, I mean, listen, it's it's not that – it's a numbers game, and if you look at it, 
you know, Auburn's defensive line is really good. If you're taking, just by comparison, the top unit of four guys, that's probably the best defensive line in the SEC. But Alabama goes deep, really deep, and they can come in waves. And I, I would say, because there's a standard bearer, and I use this as an example, probably by years in, they're probably going to be the best defensive line in the SEC. Again, why? There's quality, there's depth. Uh, that's what that's what uh, Tennessee has to do. There's no question that they've got some guys that can play. Uh, do they have enough of them? No, they, they don't. But but that's part of what you're going to have to do and, and work and grow into, and you've nailed it. Uh, they've got to get those guys that can – that can really play. There's some good guys. I mean, Taylor's going to play at the next level. And, you know, Williams and I mean, they, they've got guys that have ability is they just don't have enough of them. And that is just something that's going to come over in time or, or it has to. The difficulty and in, in, in I, I never wanted to tell a fan how they should think or hope. But, you know, there needs to be some level of patience because I'm going to stress it again and be repetitive. But. Georgia and Florida in their own division. Yes, you know this. They're really good. Georgia more so than Florida in terms of talent. Well, Florida's pretty good. It is a big, big lead that they have over Tennessee. And, you know, um, most people that that, uh, are listening to this, I'm sure remember the days in which Tennessee and Florida had the two best programs in the SEC. Um, They were more consistent than Alabama, who was struggling, and certainly more consistent than anybody in the West. Uh, that's not the case anymore. I mean, you're dealing with um, two programs that are better, doing it better right now, and have been doing it longer, and you're looking up at. Then, oh, by the way, you got to play somebody in your cross-divisional game every year that's as good as anybody in the league. That makes it very difficult. I mean, uh, and it doesn't mean that Tennessee can't beat those teams in a given year, but consistently – you know, you got to make some general steps. And, and right now, to develop enough consistency to where at year's end, you're beating the teams you're supposed to beat. I think the first step is to get to the point where you have enough depth to where you're not d- having a discussion on, oh, can we beat Vanderbilt this year? You know, or, you know, we're going to beat Kentucky every year and South Carolina every year. And I, I think that's where Tennessee is working towards to where at least they can consistently beat the teams they should beat. And then we can start seeing where they, how they match up against the Floridas and the Georgias, not in a one-game setting, but over the course of the year, are they getting it done? And right now, it's just, I think, a, a longer project and rebuild than maybe the fan base there you know, even realizes. Well, I'm, I'm glad you say that, Chris, because uh, now you're the one throwing out the word patience instead of me because I have mentioned it, I think, repeatedly over the last few months. But I do think it applies, and I do think that last point is so key there. Tennessee needs to be, I believe, in a position where in the last two seasons it's been last in the East. It needs to show that it can jump over Vandy, Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri, You know, with Missouri even be more competitive. And if it can do that, maybe it can show recruits on the recruiting trail, hey, we're taking steps, and then you win more recruiting battles and that's that's a long-term game, right? That's not necessarily even a, for the 2020 class. That can be for the 2021 group, but that comes back to the word patience. Absolutely. I mean, look, just by comparison, South Carolina has better overall talent, certainly on the defensive side in certainly key areas than, than Tennessee. Now, that's not going to be the case going forward, but it is right now. And and yet, I know you hear it from South Carolina fans. Well, when are we going to win the East? I mean, 
you know, you're not going to win the East unless, you know, Georgia or Florida really stumble. Um, and so, you know, from a Tennessee standpoint, uh, you you nailed it. I mean, you've got to get to the point where it's, you know, in the day where maybe Tennessee didn't play all that well, but still was going to always beat Vanderbilt, always going to beat Kentucky. Um, you know, that's not the case anymore. And there's a little bit of a peak where you have that huh, that surprise game, oh Auburn, and then you know again Vanderbilt's a, a head scratcher. So you've and that's because you're not at the point where you're mature enough as a team to know how to prepare, and that's the culture part that Jeremy's working on. But with that comes the talent level that definitely again uh, has to before you can compete against Georgia and Florida on on a on a conference level. It's not again on a one game scenario, which anything can happen. You got to make sure that you're better than those teams that you mentioned. And then we'll, we'll see where we are from there. But uh, I, I think the direction is good. Um, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, is Jeremy Pruitt going to get it done in Tennessee? Well, define, get it done. I mean, if, if you're thinking that, you know, you're going to win the East in the next three years, I mean, I, I don't see that happening unless Georgia and Florida come back to the pack, but I could see in two to three years a program that is more competitive, and maybe if they do come back, maybe you're close enough to where it can happen. Who knows? But um, you're just not going to see it happen a whole lot. We saw Missouri get in a couple of times, but we all know that Tennessee and Florida and Georgia weren't getting it done, and so you can see a team you know, surprise and get in there. It just... Right now, it's a much tougher league, um, and we'll just stick to the East for now. That uh, the Tennessee has to climb over some teams that are really doing it, doing it well, and are getting really good talent. and And I think both had very good coaches. Uh, that makes it uh, uh, quite a bit of a challenge. You didn't have that like when Philip was coaching, where we know that Florida was the best program, uh, and that was always a tough hurdle for Philip. But you know. Tennessee had what was a top five, top six, top eight team every year. And while they maybe didn't fare as well against Florida as they had hoped overall, they were still really good. Right now, you can be really good, and you can end up losing three or four games. I know Tennessee fans would be excited about it, but I'm, I was looking like, for example, at South Carolina's schedule by comparison. Can you imagine having to play, you know, uh, not only the Tennessees of the world, everybody in the East, but you got you got to line up and you got to play Georgia. But you got to play Alabama. No, you got to play Clemson. You realize they got to have like a one of the best seasons ever and have three losses. A Tennessee schedule is not as difficult by comparison, but it's not far from it. It is a big time challenge where if you have any dip, you know one of those other teams are more capable of beating you than maybe some of those those teams that you're chasing. Uh, you can compete and beat them. Yeah, South Carolina has Bama plus a trip to College <laughs> Station. I mean, a, a good luck to them. I, I would yeah. say. This- this upcoming season, as you uh, as you listen to Chris Landry, you can tell he knows about what's going on all over the SEC. That's why he's hosting Locked On SEC, Locked On Big Ten as well, uh, working with Dave Hooker. The website's LandryFootball.com. But, Chris, what should fans listening know about what you're doing across the league? Well, we're excited about it. As you know, doing a great job with for the Tennessee folks every day. What we try to do is take a perspective uh, around the country. And there's no – that's the thing about it. There's no offseason. There's just – right now, there's so much recruiting going on. We keep everybody up to date on what's going on in recruiting. But we're also kind of breaking down, getting you ready for the football season. At LandryFootball.com, for example, we break down all the rosters. We do NFL stuff as well as college. 
But, uh, you know, on, on the Locked On SEC podcast, what we're doing is breaking down something every day, uh, personnel, coaching, the teams in the league, uh, not just the recruiting side, but getting you ready for the football season. You know, we've recently done a, a series of breaking down each position units in the SEC, how they compare and how they match up. And that gives you a little bit of a feel for where the programs are. But it's also about taking you inside the film room, what I've looked at on spring practice tape, um, you know, going over film grade notes from last year. Basically, it's it's getting you ready for the football team, how, uh, football season, how the teams and the rosters are shaping up. So we're we're having a ball with it, enjoying it, and it's a great opportunity. We're interactive; we can answer questions. So um, if you like SEC football, uh, we really enjoy it. If you're out there and you you like Big Ten football, we have a podcast on Big Ten football as well. So check us out at Locked On. You can catch it where you subscribe to all your different podcasts. You can also catch it on LandryFootball.com. Free there. Download and subscribe. Locked on SEC, locked on Big Ten as well. His information is great, as you can tell. Hey, Chris, uh, great to have you on the show as well. Thanks so much for the time, and I hope we can do it again soon. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you for all the great work you do, and uh, love listening to your work. Thanks a bunch for having me. He's Chris Landry with the Locked On SEC podcast. And hearing the word patience and hearing about the long rebuild as Tennessee is compared to Georgia and Alabama and probably Florida right now that's probably not a fun thing to hear but I do think that it's a reality and it's a reminder that when we talk about recruiting we're talking about 2020 we're talking about 2021 we're talking about needing to add a good number of players along the lines of scrimmage the defensive line is very important for 2020 but uh, the offensive line is something that Tennessee is continuing to build through recruiting as well and that is not an overnight fix especially when the top competition is so good. So I, I think Jeremy Pruitt has Tennessee in a fine position to be able to get there. It's just going to take a little bit longer than it took Kirby Smart at Georgia. And Kirby Smart has Georgia there, which Tennessee now has to go up against. Kirby Smart did not face a team within the division at such a high level when he took over Georgia's program. I think that's something to consider as well. So I really appreciate Chris Landry joining the show. LandryFootball.com is his website. Coming up next in the final segment of Locked on Vols, Tennessee has filled its 13th scholarship officially for the 2019-20 basketball season, but the recruiting still continues. I'll get to the latest update with Tennessee's basketball roster coming up next as Locked on Vols today is available, remember, on the Himalaya app. You can find it every single day there. You can follow your favorite shows. You can also like and comment. Listeners can give a thumbs up and comment on individual episodes. So find and download Himalaya on the App Store or Google Play Store. Remember, they have personally curated playlists to help you with your podcasting needs. When you get the Himalaya app, don't forget to follow Locked on Vols once you're there. Tennessee made it official on Tuesday that it has signed guard Victor Bailey Jr. out of Oregon. He is a talented player and I think a really good shooter coming from Oregon. And Tennessee did confirm in the release that it put out on Tuesday that Victor Bailey will sit out this upcoming season because of NCAA transfer rules and he will be eligible as a redshirt junior to play in the 2020-21 season. And that is important, remember, because Tennessee will have to replace Jordan Bowden and Lamonte Turner. So Bailey, who will be a fourth-year guard and will have had the past season to practice with Tennessee's coaching staff, 
will immediately step into a big role. What if Josiah James were to have such a big freshman year that he were to jump to the NBA? Tennessee's not hoping for that to happen, but it is a possibility. So Bailey's presence the following season, 2020-21, will really be important for Tennessee's backcourt, and then we'll see who Tennessee is able to add in that 2020 recruiting class as well as Tennessee continues to be in position with a bunch of really good players. So we know that Victor Bailey is going to be at Tennessee. He takes the 13th scholarship on Tennessee's roster, so the Vols are currently full. But we also know that Tennessee is expected to host Kerry Blackshear Jr., the Virginia Tech transfer, later this week. And Tennessee also recently offered 2019 power forward Josephat Bilal out of Spire Academy in Ohio. So Tennessee continues to be active on the recruiting trail for this upcoming year, which means Tennessee's roster could be changing. Now, maybe these players turn down Tennessee. Tennessee doesn't add anybody, and the current roster stays intact. But if Tennessee is pursuing other players, that means somebody at Tennessee, at least one player, could end up leaving. So it continues to be a work in progress, work in progress. Tennessee has added a number of newcomers. Along with James, there's Drew Pember, Devontae Gaines, Olivier Robinson-Kumwa, also Uros Plavsic, the transfer from Arizona State, who is requesting a waiver from the NCAA to be able to play right away. So what Tennessee's roster will look like this year, who knows? What we do know is that Tennessee's roster will be very different, especially in the front court with those other players who are gone, Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, and Kyle Alexander going through the NBA draft process. We are eight days away from the NBA draft, by the way. That's coming up next Thursday, June 20th. But Tennessee's roster continues to be a work in progress, and Kerry Blackshear's visit to Tennessee later this week will be very important with what happens for Tennessee this upcoming fall because if he doesn't choose Tennessee – he could be choosing another school in the SEC that Tennessee will have to face this upcoming year. Coming up on tomorrow's show, there is a defensive player at Tennessee who is getting a good amount of national recognition for what he could do in the SEC this upcoming year. I'll tell you about that on tomorrow's show. Also, the injury impact on Tennessee. Something to remember with it with all the players who have dealt with pretty serious injuries over the last few years. I'll get to all of that on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Vols. I appreciate you being here today. Continue to download, subscribe, rate and review the show, and keep spreading the word to Tennessee fans that you know that might be interested in Locked on Vols, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available on the Himalaya app, the Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. And you can tell your smart speaker at home to play podcast Locked on V-O-L-S. Thanks for hanging out here today. I'll see you again tomorrow.